welcome to Montana Voices. This is a special cast of Montana Voices, Montana Voices Episode 9, also known as Country Road, because we are on the road. Bryce is not with us today, instead we have guest collaborator Chris from Great Falls. Hi everyone. And I think he's going to bring a, uh, a form of legitimacy to this, because Chris is a former radio professional, former radio station owner, and knows the in- ins and outs of this business much better than we do. So, uh, welcome to the cast. Uh, first, a matter of business, uh, normal things. Uh, you're most likely to listen to this podcast on our website, montanavoicespodcast.com, where you can stream all of our episodes uh, for free at any time. Uh, our email is montanavoices at gmail.com. You can find us at Twitter at, at Montana underscore voices. On Facebook, we are Montana Voices Podcast. And we have a Twitch. Uh, still no content up there, but maybe we're going to play some Overwatch or. Or something uh, Montana related. I'm not sure what we're going to do with that. So, unfortunately, Bryce could not be with us today. However, we have a worthy guest host, uh, Christopher Smythe from Great Falls. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule to join us, Chris. You're welcome. And uh, everyone always also everyone always pronounces that Smythe. I just don't get it. It's Smith. Smythe has an E. But we're all good. Well, there's a Y in it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's been a thing. Smith is the nickname, though, so right. I'll go by it. All right, Chris Smith. Uh, well, today's topics, we have a number of uh, things, a number of new uh, breaking things as well. Uh, we're going to talk about the different aspects of uh, where we live, uh, respectively. Chris is a uh, currently resides in Great Falls, uh, where he is his family, wife, and career. I'm in Missoula, uh, doing my own thing over there. So we want to discuss some of the differences and what makes each uh, unique and uh, what makes Missoula by far the better choice to live in. Yep, so I've been in uh, Great Falls since my elementary school days. Of course, I sort of didn't really grow up in Laurel, but I spent a lot of time there on the family ranch. Uh, Chris, I born in Butte, or? Yeah, originally I was born in Butte, Montana, and uh, lived there until my early teens when we moved to Missoula. Lived in Missoula through my teens and through my college years, and uh, moved to Great Falls to work for one of the founding radio stations of hip-hop in Montana. And which radio station was that? That was the heat at 100.3. 100.3, which is now not related to Wild 104? No. Um, the same person that owned 100.3 owns Wild 104 Montana, across Montana. Um, but 100.3 is no more, unfortunately. So you've been in Great Falls for at least since the last decade since I've known you. Um, what makes you stay there? My family. You know, there's not a lot to do in Great Falls as far as entertainment. And there's not a lot of... Um, guess you would call it uh, high-paying, employable jobs there in in really any industry. Um, but the one thing that keeps me there is family and the community and the good-hearted people that live there. Well, speaking of high-paying jobs, uh, I know Great Falls recently had a thing with a meatpacking plant that I guess is not a thing, is that right? Or You know, from what I've heard, Friesen doesn't have the funds to move forward with it. But it didn't help that there was a large group of people that wanted to chase them out. Yeah, I heard a lot of those uh, detractors for a number of reasons, you know, citing usually the negative aspects of a meatpacking plant. But, I, you know, I think those negative aspects are some of the same negative aspects you get from any large employer, such as uh, I think we have ADF that's on the uh, north side of town and the uh, the grain plant in Wheat, Montana. So there's yeah. certainly some things going on there, but certainly a lot of service jobs I think Great Falls is a hub for those Canadian dollars. Yeah, well, a lot of the concerns that were voiced uh, uh, had to do with uh, the bringing in of um, undocumented workers. Is what the are those big in meatpacking plants? I 
don't really know myself. I'm not a meatpacking plant expert, but uh, in in some of the meatpacking plants in other places, it's uh, rumored to, you know, nothing confirmed to have people who are undocumented. Really, it, it doesn't matter to me who's working the meatpacking plant, but I think there's a certain point where um, we do have to look at who's going to be working there when a business like that comes to our community. You know, is it going to benefit our community in any way? Is it going to benefit the people even working there? Well, I think it will benefit them. I don't know if the legals are the biggest concern. Um, uh, we, we, no, I don't, uh, to me they're not. Me and Chris are both in Billings right now, and, of course, Billings is home to uh, a few of those businesses that run uh, uh, sort of those campaigns and agricultural-related or that production-related, uh, specifically sugar beet plant here, which uh, we know a few people that work there. And, you know, there is a big Mexican community here in Billings on the south side. Uh, you know, they do have Cinco de Mayo here, and they have a big parade, and more lowriders than you th- think they have room for. I don't know if you've seen the festivities. Um, but I don't know if it's a huge concern of illegals other than them having their own side of town. No, and I think with the meatpacking plant, those who have concerns about um, the illegals or the unsavory element, not not the illegals themselves but just some of them um, i'm sure are good people sure some of them definitely are good people i'm talking more of of you know like for instance the oil booms of north dakota where there were some people who came who weren't quite the best they got into some legal trouble but i think really that's the big concern of people in great falls when it comes to actually um, having the plant come to great falls i think that uh we also need to look at the fact that the plant's not there yet, so we can't really predict who's going to work there. For all we know, Friesen might hire good people. Yeah, they might, and might hire all uh, legal. Isn't it unskilled labor, I believe? Yeah, some's unskilled, some of it's skilled. You know, but I mean, we could talk for hours on, on the whole legal versus illegal, undocumented versus documented um, that's a whole other topic for a whole other show, I, I would say. You could spend a good hour on oh, that. Yeah, definitely, mm-hmm. because there's definitely the caveats of immigration. Well, that sort of uh, brings to another thing why we and me and Bryce asked you on uh, sometimes with me and Bryce. And Bryce leans uh, pretty heavily left, and I oftentimes are a libertarian, but for odd reasons get on the left sometimes. So I didn't want uh, our cast to, to feel like an echo chamber for for ourselves, so we need somebody to, to challenge our views, or I wouldn't really say that, I'd not challenge, because we, we, our intent is not to have a debate, but instead a conversation. So uh, somebody that uh, will hold our views to the fire, and uh, they'll either crumble or, or be solidified. Sure. Well, as, as you know, I, I tend to believe that you can bring an even balance to a discussion with different points of view, and not everybody has an incorrect point of view. Most points of view are exactly that. They're points of view. So how can you go to someone and say theirs is incorrect? You might not believe in it. But I tell you that all the time, Chris. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and that's okay, too. If we don't have discussions and civil discourse, how are we ever going to come to conclusions that make sense? You know, there is a polarization that happens. In it, but social media definitely fuels it for sure. Where you have people at wit's ends and forgetting that these are people that normally know and like each other and even associate with each other outside of Facebook that enjoy Zero's company. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, uh, when they get in these political arguments, they, they're they just completely put off and they're you know fighting to the point of sometimes even violence. So that's what this podcast sort of aims to to change about the, the discussion. That disagreeing with somebody, whether they be conservative or liberal or whatever views you think they, they hold that are wrong... Um, or simply their views and doesn't affect them as a person. And it, 
is uh, we'd like to have more open, honest discussion about things. Right. Facebook has an element of being behind a screen, and anything behind a screen just doesn't feel very real, even when Facebook's like standing in the middle of them all screaming out loud. And Facebook is pretty smart. They know exactly what my triggers are and how to keep me on <laughs> Facebook the, for the longest yeah. amount of time to get those advertising dollars. So uh, let's get uh, some small news, please. Um, that's uh, really what we're looking for here. And uh, there's been some drama in Great Falls. I understand uh, with the ECDB, is that a blog or a uh, newspaper? Some would say that it's an online news source. Some would say that it's a blog. They often post a lot of information that leans right. Yeah, I've sort of gathered with that at browsing through and reading some of their articles. And they uh, also publish articles, um, of course named articles, um, from people that uh, are involved in politics in Great Falls, uh, many of which are on the right. Uh, but uh, I think they recently came under, I guess, a little bit of fire for posting an anonymous letter that uh, turns out to be not so accurate about the, uh, the schools in Great Falls. Well, yeah, and there's still discussion going on on that post about the accuracy of the letter and, of course, the accuracy of responses from people. You know how Facebook gets. It becomes a mudslinging issue. But I think ultimately the issue here with the E-City Beat article is we need to see if it's true or false. You know, we need to see if is the letter that was posted founded accusations or is it just fake news? Because even in a right-leaning source or a left-leaning source, doesn't matter which way they lean, if they're doing fake, you know, they're presenting fake news to the public, that's not good either way. So um, for those not in the know, the ECDB article uh, featured an anonymous letter in which a, um, a supposed parent accuses the school district of having a school, school is unnamed in the article, um, of not having heat during these winter months and that their boilers have been out for two months and the children are forced to wear coats and such. And this is the, um, I'm pretty still pretty plugged into the Great Falls community, and this is not something I've, I've heard of from anyone else, and it doesn't seem like it would be a, a big secret if that was really the case. Yeah, no, and I, I tend to agree with you on this. I, I usually agree with a lot of the opinions that E-City Beat has, but this particular article kind of hits me as unbelievable. And, uh, you know, I've got a couple of good friends of mine that uh, have, you know, they post on there and one of them looked into it actually made calls to this just phone calls to the school and asked questions the schools i don't think they're going to lie about something like that well they probably wouldn't lie about heat and no um that is a you know if that was the case which i don't think it is it'd be a huge safety concern something else wrong with the great falls school district uh some history on that the great falls school district in this last uh was it the last midterm or the previous election that they were asking for a levy i can't recall chris um for the general this last one they asked for um i i can't remember the exact amount of money but they needed it for teachers salaries and they ended up letting teachers go and then before that they asked for like a I think it was a 200 million dollar building uh bond which the voters passed so they passed the bond, but they didn't pass the, the last one for the teachers' salaries. And No, Great Falls tends to have a poverty problem. And so when people are wondering where they're going to get their food, they don't really want to spend more money in government. Uh, a poverty problem? We'll, 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 we'll touch on that here. Um, there are some that uh, definitely say that, specifically people on the right that say, uh, even, even some will say the majority of people in Great Falls are on some form of public assistance. Um, I'm not sure what those numbers are. I don't think those are accurate. But uh, I, I'm not sure the poverty problem in Great Falls is as pronounced as uh, some people might want us to believe. And that could be very true. 
I mean, I, I, I don't know the specifics on it, but I do know that um, when you can throw a rock and hit somebody who's on some form of assistance, there's a problem. Yeah, per, perhaps there is a problem, and perhaps it's more of a city economic problem, which is one of the things we are, of course, discussing here. And what Absolutely. makes Missoula great is uh, we... <laughs> Absolutely. In the last midterm, we, there was a bond for uh, the schools, which was was approved. And also, open spaces, open places, I think they call it, was also approved in in Missoula. So, um, I guess they're very much different of opinions there. And I've you know I've spoken to a lot of people in Missoula about it and understand the you know a lot of them aging and to retirement age where they're not going to benefit from an open space because their mobility is limited. Not going to benefit from a school levy in their lifetime, um, but still voted for it because they thought it was the the right thing to do a couple bucks on them uh, are already high property taxes is uh for the good cause you know I'd, I'd like at this time to give a big shout out to jesse ramos the uh one of the guys over in missoula government that uh, is part of making things better for missoula government and one of the things he's all about is he's not about you know spending a ton of money he's about spending it right and Jesse Ramos is unfortunately does not represent my district. That's uh, I can't recall her name at the moment here. So for the small news, of course, we have the East City beat, and then we have the uh, the electric in Great Falls, sort of often leaning more towards the left. And uh, we're still looking more for those sources. I guess the uh, what does the East City say? So, They're all the news that the Tribune sees unfit to yeah to print. So uh, a kind of a correction there that I personally believe i don't see the electric as leaning left i see the tribune as leaning left heavily and the electric is fact-based read their articles yeah i've read a number of their articles and we've featured them on this podcast in in the past so yeah is there really articles in the tribune still um that's (laughs) debatable is there articles that that you would get something that would be leaning left other than a crime report or The minutes from a city council meeting or whatnot. You know, I've kind of found the Tribune has become more of a tabloid and or a news source from out of state. And I don't really find a lot of local news unless it's trashing a politician or making one look, look good, depending on who that politician is. Well, they absolutely are from out of state, of course, owned by uh, Gannett. Uh, where's Gannett out of? And the Gazette here is owned by Lee Enterprises, if I'm remembering right. So all of our newspapers in state are pretty much are owned yeah. out of state. And, uh, you know, cover up budget shortfalls. You end up with a shrinking newsroom. And instead of having your local reporter on the ground interviewing people, you have an intern in Seattle or somewhere who's writing 100 articles a day on a subject. And, yeah. and then, of course, you have your AP-featured content or your, your Lee-featured content from you know, unnamed authors uh, wherever. See, and so, that's where the electric went right. They run local articles. They run local articles that they look into, that they do the research, they bring photos, they bring interviews. It's it's not just some random statement with no backing facts. And they also differ on access as well. I think they do have a... Do they have a donate page, Chris? I can't recall. and They probably do. But the um, point is, we research a lot of articles on this podcast and go to a lot of different mm-hmm. news websites, and we're always getting stuck behind a paywall, and we simply... Can't afford to pay every single newspaper yeah. in Montana a subscription fee to see what's behind there. So, oh man, the Tribune's horrible for that. Yeah, five articles a, a month, they say, but you, you can get around that if you need. Yeah, just look, get another Facebook account, log into your second, and then your third, and then your fourth, and uh I do believe that's against Facebook terms of service, Chris. Yeah, I, I, no, I, I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. You know, I've been told there are ways to get around this. Theoretics. 
Yep, so small town news, uh, in which in front of us is the Wheatland County, what do they call it, Chris? The Wheatland County, no, they call it the Times Clarion. For Wheatland and Golden Valley County, an area that we went through here, news in Levina is there's been some flooding to take out a road, and it looks like FEMA people are doing FEMA things there, uh, surveying the disaster that happened over this last spring, and trying to do their thing. Uh, they didn't bring any camps this time. I didn't see the tr- rail cars of uh, the cattle cars, as uh, some people have feared. Yeah, this, uh, this, these photos here of the uh, disaster look quite empty. Slight washed-out road. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no trash anywhere. You know, and that, that's one of the things I used to see on the news articles on the Tribune is some trash and in the pictures from where the people were camping that were protesting, but this thing looks like it's just a FEMA dis- disaster. Uh, right, well, nobody was protesting, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, what would they protest? Uh, FEMA? FEMA? <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of government protest, uh, in the news today, um, this isn't specifically for Montana, but we're going to talk about uh, Bundy, Ammon Bundy, um, and he's seemingly breaking with Trump on the immigration stance, which is perhaps very interesting of biting the hand that feeds, because if you remember, Ammon and Cliven uh, were, I think, both pardoned by Trump earlier this year for their... Actions in the Oregon uh, game reserve or whatever that was. Yeah. And, then, and then their thing down in uh, south of the border where they had charges as well. So very interesting to see him take a stance uh, not completely agreeing with Trump. I totally didn't expect that. And I'm wondering if that's a, a sign that we're seeing Trump loyalty. That that card isn't as valuable as it once was. You know, the, the left would like to think that. And the right would like to think otherwise. Who knows? I mean, you can't predict an election. You can look at all the facts and you can say, hey, this person's going to win, and you could be right. Or you could look at some of the facts and say, hey, this person's not going to win, and still be right. They're just unpredictable. You can get a feeling and a sense for things. And that's what we're doing here with, you know, this guy's loyalty. He's breaking with Trump, so what does that mean for him? Does it mean bad for Trump, or does it mean bad for him? You know, it depends if he has any more federal charges come up in the future. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, right? (laughs) Yeah, that that would be bad for him in that regard. But uh, you know, that's very interesting because uh, I don't know why he felt to do this. He you know could have just not said anything, and um, we wouldn't remember Ammon or Clive and Bundy today. Sure, and uh, we certainly wouldn't be talking about it. But you know, in this last election, we court have uh, Rosendale and Tester, and Rosendale heavily backed by Trump. He visited uh, three or four times. Yeah, it? It, his backing from Trump at you know contributed to his close loss, close win, whatever we want to call it. Um, I think he would have lost by a lot more had Trump not shown up. You know, we questioned whether or not Trump actually helped in a previous podcast, but I'm not I'm not sure if he he is a polarizing figure. And the mm-hmm. just hatred he had for Tester, of course, after that whole uh, Jackson uh, VA thing. Yeah. So, you, But that value, uh, immediately after the election, Trump was, of course, out uh, condemning the uh, Republicans that lost their elections, um, that did not embrace him, and I'm not sure if that uh, helped or hurt them is the thing. Yeah. See, Trump's an interesting guy. You know, he's ran as a Republican, and he is, for all intents and purposes right now, a Republican, but he takes government in a different form. He doesn't follow the standard governmental uh, nuances or you know the, the specific how you're supposed to be as a government official and I think it trips a lot of people off. Well, when he 
says something that don't make sense that trips me up. Right, right. And he's not a politician. That's why people voted for him. As well, I recall. exactly. He's not a politician. He's just a guy who wants to see things better in his um, view, and so they may not be better. In in all honesty, they, we, they could get worse. They could get better. They could get worse. You know, we just really don't know because the climate shifted. Nobody thought he would be elected. That's true. When he first ran, I thought he was a uh, uh, detractor, and I thought he was there so there'd be a more ridiculous candidate than than Hillary, <laughs> and so we would have a another Clinton presidency. That was my initial reaction at the time. Because mm-hmm. um, you know, as you know, he was friends with uh, the Clintons uh, in the '90s. Yep. as was a lot of people, but Get back to Democrats in the '90s. And uh, changed his mind, uh, I suppose, or found the party he can win on. Yeah, could be. You know, it's it's funny. A lot of Trump's uh, policies are close to what Bill Clinton had for policies. Well, well, I said it on a previous podcast. I've told you that Bill Clinton is the best Republican president we've ever had. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have uh, lower taxes. He accomplished that. Um, he was tough on crime, uh, tough on immigration as well, and uh, for free trade, which... Uh, Ironically, is a uh, something that uh, the Republican Party is struggling with right now with the tariff war. Yeah, well, and I I know I get the idea behind the tariffs in business. The tariffs were meant to be a way to tip the scales so that we could go to the negotiating table with a stronger hand. But I think when Trump implemented that, he didn't quite understand the global ramifications of what it would do while the tariffs were in place. And the idea behind having the tariffs there was, in his mind, a temporary thing. But obviously, he doesn't know how government works he's not a politician those tariffs could be there for a while well tariffs it's hard to take for me to make a definitive statement on it it's it doesn't help um, american economy in the way we we think it does it does help level the playing field for example you're uh, making a car in america you have the uaw where you're you're paying workers an honest wage where they can actually afford the car and aren't living in poverty and you're you're treating them right, not overworking them, and they have safe working conditions. You go to somewhere like China, where those worker safety and worker health are concepts that yep. don't really exist. And, of course, uh, they're not getting paid anything worth anything. So to level that playing field with that, so... But I understand that, but I'm still a little bitter about tariffs, I guess we'll yeah. say. I, and I'm not an expert on matters of money or tariffs or the economy by any means, but... Um, I've listened to some of Trump's uh, broadcasts where he talks about the reason for the tariffs was simple, to bring a stronger hand to the negotiating table. Like, if you go to a negotiating table with the weakest hand, you're not going to get what you're asking for. So you think he's putting in tariffs to uh, renegotiate the lowering of those tariffs later for something of benefit to the U.S.? Not necessarily lowering the tariffs. The way he explains it is he wants to negotiate more fair trade deals where instead of us literally importing more than when we export he wants to kind of fix that and correct that and set things up so that instead of buying you know two three dollar like mice for example from china you you know maybe it costs 10 or 15 20 bucks for that mouse so that it's competitive with you know the american mouse like like a mouse you'd buy made in the USA, where it'd be 20 bucks. I don't even know where you can get a USA-built mouse. I don't either. Or, I really don't. Or much much anything. Not uh, from but the, the point of what Trump is doing, he's doing a couple of things that I, that I understand. This is what he feels he's doing. I don't necessarily agree with it. But with the tariffs, he's trying to make things so that they're more even in the world of spending. 
Now, where I kind of see that as a problem is I go on eBay and if I need a cheap tool like Harbor Freight Tool, for example, a $20 torque wrench, guess where that comes from? Well, China, but uh, even even more, I'm not sure if you knew this, but the United States Postal Service has an agreement with China as a whole where they subsidize the shipments from China. Mm-hmm. So you get a product shipped from China on eBay China or Alibaba or whatever other site, it literally costs you more to ship the product back if it's defective than it costs the entire thing to get to you. Yep. So we're we're subsidizing China in the, in the small market. Sure. And like I said, I don't necessarily agree with all of the things Trump has done in this but again, I'm not a business expert. I'm not an expert on trade. If I was, if I had his expertise, who knows? Maybe I'd be a billionaire. Maybe, and uh, you know, I think you have to be born into a billionaire family and then work with that. I hear um, you just have to well, borrow some money. <laughs> yep, uh, borrow from your dad. That's well. Um, well instead of uh, divulging or descending into a debate, we'll just say that I'm not the greatest fan of Trump. I don't think he's yeah. the greatest. Greatest businessman, and I do recognize when he does well, and uh, it, I certainly track when he doesn't. And Chris thinks he, he is uh, pretty smart and knows exactly what he's doing. So, um, the new construction in Great Falls coming up. Sure. We got fairgrounds. They're redoing, uh, is that the rodeo stands, or what do they call that? So, they're talking about, um, from what I've read, they're talking about redoing the Four Seasons Arena, making it bigger, more like the Metro. You know, Metro is huge, and it's, I understand the Metro here, when the roof got torn off, it was left that way for a couple of years because of funding. I don't think it was a couple of years. Was, did did, did you find an article on that? I, I will have to look at that. Yeah. I, I recall, I just remember there being a big gap of time between yeah. when there was damage to when it was finally fixed. Yeah, well, that's an expensive venture. But I think that Great Falls, one of the things that the town doesn't have is entertainment. It lacks entertainment. I mean, what do you have really for entertainment? Um, you got a couple of bars. Uh, Rick Tryon's at the Celtic Cowboy. Yeah. And, and if, you, <laughs> if you love that kind of music, that's entertainment. And that's great. But, you know, what else do you have? You have, like, uh, you have a strip club up on 10th that, like, really nobody wants to go to because, like, strip clubs aren't that much fun. Well, somebody's there. Obviously. Somebody's paying the bills. Obviously. And then you've got your random sports <laughs> bars around town. But, you know, what is there really for entertainment? Take a trip to any major city. Take a trip to Denver. I've been to Denver. Billings does feel like the Denver of Montana, in my mm-hmm. opinion. <laughs> but uh, Denver, or taking it to Missoula, there's always a function and, and liveliness. There's a uh, first Friday where small businesses they essentially shut down the downtown. Uh, yeah, downtown's pretty much shut down on, on on Saturdays. You of course have the farmers market, and there's a small business artsy thing that happens a few blocks up, and always a uh, a music venture or parade or something that. That brings people to that to that area to the I guess they call it the hip strip as they call it here. We ate a Montana Avenue, yeah. which they call the hip strip here as well. So, and that's changed a lot since I've lived here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it used to be pretty trashy downtown. I guess you can say that for most locations. We're getting away from the uh, the strip malls or the large malls that were popular in the '80s, yeah. and that popularity is is waning, and we're going more to small businesses and, and downtown areas. So I've got a vision for Great Falls, and I'd like to see Great Falls grow. I'd like to see it grow with more businesses and more entertainment and take a path that leads to success and that leads to things to do. Like in in Missoula, for example, on any given weekend, you can usually attend a football game or you can attend a concert. You can attend um, Missoula Children's Theater. That's one of the, the most 
like amazing places there, what they do. You can attend, you can go to the Wilma. The Wilma's always got something entertaining going on. But what do you have in Great Falls? Well, except for the Ch- Missoula Children's Theater, which I think is public funded. Those are all uh, private ventures with things that are happening. Right. Um, and maybe that's, so we're not exclusively talking about Great Falls. For other small communities, maybe some struggling communities, of which there are numerous in Montana, um, how do you encourage that business and that livelihood to to occur? And I'm not sure I have the answer for that, to how to make um, you know downtown Great Falls feel like downtown Missoula with all yeah. the activity and, and commerce that happens. So some would say you can encourage downtown Great Falls to grow by turning downtown Great Falls into some something similar to what downtown Helena is. Have you been to downtown Helena? Yeah, they've got the carousel and they've got uh, the, the water park next to the baseball park and quite a few interesting... museum? Fun. Yeah, well, we have museums too in Great Falls. Yes, so. but they're uh, you down- can learn all about your rural country art. Their downtown is very unique. They've got that museum with, um, I, you know, I honestly haven't done the tour, but it looks amazing from the outside. They've got the carousel, the ice cream shop. They've got the walking downtown district where you walk up the district. Uh, they've got a movie theater right downtown with big D screens. Helena is not much larger you know, than Great Falls as far as population density goes, but yet they've got so much more there. Well, you're right. And uh, in Wifa, there's a lot of public dollars that got spent there to make that that area. Um, imagine you would advocate the same for Great Falls as far as renovating downtown. Last I knew, they you know couldn't even afford to service the meters. Yeah, so they've they've been trying to get more public dollars passed to do downtown, but. Um, when they get these dollars passed, their plans are not this, they're not something like what Helena did. And I think that's part of the issue is you've got people that are not planning this thing with the future in mind. They've got this vision, but the vision is about trying to gain the tourist dollar. Great Falls isn't a tourist town. It, it kind of is. It's the first stop from Canada. I mean, there's no shopping in uh, Shelby. That's I-90 coming south. And if they want to go further down, they're... I mean, it's Missoula, Billings, or or, or Bozeman for, for the main shopping venue. So there's a lot of those dollars coming in. Right, but it's not a tourist town. Have you ever been to Deadwood, South Dakota? I have not. I've that not. is a tourist town. All right, all right, I see what you're saying about the tourists. I guess I'm moving, uh, grouping tourists and uh, touring shoppers in the right. same same lump. Right, and, and even the shopping, you know, if you've been to the mall, the mall is a dying breed in Great Falls, and a lot of that has to do with the rates for the rents. Well, the malls are dying everywhere. They're they're falling out of favor. They're no longer yeah. fashionable, in my opinion, which I'm all for. I've, I've always hated the mall. So. Especially when you can go on Amazon and get stuff cheaper. Yep, uh, Amazon. Well, there was certainly more things to the mall, and there's more things that bring people shopping downtown instead of uh, mm-hmm. you know buying things on, on Amazon. Uh, I'll tell you, one of my favorite places, if you like uh, cowboy stuff, is Hoagland's Western Wear. We're doing a local business shout-out to Hoagland's. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, Hoagland's up on 10th right now, or? No, they're still downtown. Oh, still downtown. And they are right next to Beck, the to be old Burton, Beckman's, now the, uh. The Burton Ernie's? No. Oh, I, I know exactly. Beck restaurant downtown. Yeah, Burton Ernie's, which went last year suddenly of, closed. Yeah, went, went out of business. And, uh, I don't believe there's anything in that space right now. Yeah. So, and then it's. Burton Ernie's, the former Burton Ernie's, is about a block from another failed restaurant, the the Tap House. Yep. And, uh... They had good steaks. 
I only ate there a few times. I remember it burning. I was uh, <laughs> at that time. I was working the front desk at the that hotel, which is now a Econo Lodge. It used to be a Quality Inn. I think so. Yeah. So <laughs> I was there when it happened. You know, downtown Great Falls has a lot of potential, but they need some visionaries to go down there and find that potential and implement that potential. And no, it's not going to need some twenty thousand dollar survey. Kind of like every every time they want to do something in Great Falls, they always seem to require an expensive survey. Well, somebody's cousin does owns a surveying company, so that's <laughs> yeah, that's got to be it. Like, whose cousin is it? Well, they should uh, possibly be weeded out. Um, yeah, a survey, and I think uh, I mean, there's been small improvements. There's, I mean, the Chamber of Commerce is downtown as well as the downtown business improvement district or yeah. it, whatever they they've they've recently moved. Uh, but uh, they're working hard to make this a thing. Of course, that's member-funded, so that's you know, mixing public and cooperative enterprises right there. But you know, they're doing things to clean, clean things up, but Great Falls has come a long way, similar to how Billings has. I said Billings used to be a downtown Billings was a yeah. trash heap 10 years ago. Um, it was a dumpster fire. And Great Falls <laughs> was, was maybe not quite as bad. It wasn't so colorful, but definitely a lot of... Uh, disparity and a lot of junk so yeah and nobody's saying that great falls is a total dumpster fire you know well okay some people are but it's not a total dumpster fire i think that great falls it has a lot of room to grow and uh right now being dependent on the base is not good and the you know the fact that the economy itself is mostly um like service-based jobs and food industry is that's where we get that, uh, that base dollars. <laughs> yeah, it's imbalanced. You know, and I see a place for things like transportation, you know, hubs in Great Falls, and I see a place for the tech industry to move in and literally buy up some of this cheap land and hire some of you know some of these workers that'll work for you know what we consider a high wage, like eighteen, nineteen, twenty dollars an hour, but where most cities consider that like regular. Right. Uh, there's certainly a big wage disparity between us yeah. and what we consider poverty on the national level and what's acceptable on, in Montana. So I guess I'm on the lower end. I could move to New York and, uh, no, I, I looked this up recently, <laughs> not that I was planning to jump ship, but I could move to New York and literally triple my wage. So you could, but you'd also triple your bills. Yeah, possibly. It'd be nice to make over six figures, but <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and I've, I've looked into that. I could move to another state. I could move to Denver. I could move pretty much anywhere and, you know, triple, quadruple so much my wage and live comfortably. But that's not where my kids are at. And that's not, you know, a small hometown flavor. That's moving to a big city. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one of the things we consider was Colorado, but I think they have an average of school shooting a week over there, which is uh, yeah. a problem we don't have in Montana. Yeah. Thankfully. Yeah, I'm glad we don't have that problem. So as far as the uh, creating that economic environment that's pleasant for, for everybody and, and also in all, all other small towns, you know, places like, uh, I mean, in the newspaper right in front of us, uh, Lavina, where there's, uh, I mean, it's not desolate yet, um, <laughs> but th- those areas are certainly uh, going down. Yeah. You know, Great Falls has a problem with spending a lot of money, but not the ability to bring it in. And so when you have a small tax base the way that Great Falls has, and then you start doing a lot of things like $200 million school bonds, that starts to add up. Yeah, that money gets spent here, but, uh, you know, I guess I'll have to do some more research. You mentioned the base uh, a bit ago. I'm not sure. 
I mean, they they don't pay property taxes for no. the base. Um, obviously, they're contributing to the economy out by with their retail dollars, and also if they yeah. live off base, they're contributing the property taxes and et cetera. But uh, they're do some research on. It. I think you'll you'll find that it, it's it's pretty accurate that the more they hit up the taxpayers, the more the taxpayers are feeling the. Uh, Oh, I don't want to use that term because that term was good during the last election. Feeling the burn? Yeah, some of us are still feeling the burn, Chris. <laughs> Remain nameless. Um, in the last election, something we didn't see come up, which uh, I remember growing up, um, there was always mudslinging back and forth that, you know, so-and-so was going to close down Malmstrom, and, and it was always a big talking point. I'm not sure uh, if anybody ever suggested that. Yeah, no, I don't think Malmstrom was on the list of uh, bases to be cut. Yes, uh, but it you know, doesn't hurt to sling some mud and get uh, get your name out there. So, in politics, I, I see it all the time where they sling mud and they get their name out. And somebody goes, yeah, all right, uh, that guy's, the other guy's bad. and you know. But why can't we bring honest politics to the table? Well, some people have tried. Uh, you mentioned feeling the burn. And as much as uh, I think both me and you disagree with a lot of his policies... I will say he's one of the only honest politicians. You know, yeah. we get tapes from him dating back to the you know, early 80s when he first went into the office to now, and he's been uh, on the same soapbox pretty much. Sure. So, and also not beholden to, you know, corporate donations and such, as uh, that's how you maintain those steady positions, and apparently that resonates with the voters of Vermont. Oh, it definitely resonates with those voters. They voted him in again. And, uh, but not so much on the national level, uh, or depending on who you believe it. Yeah. <laughs> it was... The system is rigged. Yeah, uh, you know, that's part of that big old news thing. Well, he's a Democrat or not Democrat, depending on what the season is. <laughs> but moving into, uh, I guess, sort of our, our people, in this last election we had a lot of people from out of state in the election. Uh, Gianforte, I, I looked it up, he's uh, from, I think it was Santa Barbara, California. Yeah, but he's not out of state. Up. Uh, not you, out of you state. You live here 24 years, you're in state, just because you came here from out of state. And I know that's a thing of contention for some people. They go, you're not a true Montanan. You weren't born here. I mean, yes, Gianforte did some good things. He did some yeah. good things in Bozeman. He created a business and definitely... A booming business. booming business that he sold and uh, is still doing something today. Uh-huh. Uh, or part of the Oracle Cloud, right? Or, uh, or Who did Oracle get by? I, I haven't kept up with it much after right now technologies to be honest but hard to keep track of you know when he did that and you can go to bozeman you can see the results bozeman and belgrade are now bozgrade one big giant town well uh, we didn't have right neck technologies in uh billings and laurel is west billings here yeah so and billings billings was a whole other matter it's created by oil well, we are in that field and uh, the proximity of the fields. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that the founding of Billings? You know, I don't know that for sure. But when I drive through Billings and I see a lot of oil, I got to wonder. I mean, there's certainly some out here. But, uh, you know, those oil, there's not currently a boom in Billings for oil. And obviously they have the big refinery here. The uh, the coal-powered electric plant is no more down there. Um, I think there is a coal... Some sort of activity. There's two refineries across the highway from each other, that right. I know, um, towards Lockwood. So definitely refinery jobs, which of course great paying jobs. And uh, Laurel also has a refinery. Yes, Yellowstone County is the, the place for refineries, I, I guess. So didn't you want to uh, touch on the topic of the slaughterhouse? Didn't we cover that? 
we kind of covered it. But as we're talking about things that can make communities boom, I wonder, like, I know there's some opposition to that slaughterhouse, but there was slaughterhouses before in the Great Falls area. Three of them, as I, if I remember. There was a... Two, three? Two, yeah, that industrial district, uh, you know, downtown, which the remnants are, are, are kind of still there uh, with Gerber's. Uh, I'm not sure if Gerber's is the... They're, they're yeah. a metal fabrication plant for those not in, in that know. Um, yeah, and they're, the, the remnants of it are still downtown, and the uh, recycling Pacific Steel, I think, had a hand or another recycling place downtown as well. So their the infrastructure is still there. Yeah. The rail is still there. I, I just can't help but wonder if the people who are opposed to that uh, venture are only opposed because of their fears. And maybe the venture actually could be run in a way that would, would be successful. We could. I understand those are unskilled jobs. Uh, and uh, with they, that, they you pay. bring in. They pay. And that brings in a lot of money, and it brings in a lot of people that uh, might, you might consider the lower class. So maybe that's a lot of the, the fear that went with that. Uh, Great Falls, aside from the base, is somewhat of an aging retirement community, in my opinion. Yeah. So they're, they're those people that uh, you know aren't too keen for that sort of change to get the young, hip crowd in. Yeah, they're not too keen on that. They're not too keen on moving into the 21st century, so to speak. A lot of them are just now discovering cell phones. I've heard of them. Yeah, that's okay. It's there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that is all I had written down for topics here. Unless there's something you wanted to to touch on here, Chris. Yeah, I don't uh, have anything that I'd like to touch on today. I'm just uh, excited to be on the show. Oh, it was uh, great to have you, and great to have an opposing opinion. I'll go through our our business here. Of course, MontanaVoicesPodcast.com, your number one source for getting that. And uh, if you want to hear the email, Twitter, and all that, go back to the very beginning. But uh, thank you for listening. This concludes Episode 9 of Montana Voices Country Road. Uh, Tune in next time where we have a number of other exciting topics, including uh, Montana Power, or the lack thereof of Montana Power, and some of our electrical infrastructure. Thanks for listening.